The Latter-day Lives podcast is not owned or operated by The Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints. Any opinions expressed or implied in this recording are solely those of the host and guests and not of any specific organization, unless otherwise stated. Hello, friends, and welcome to episode 175 of the Latter-day Lives podcast. I'm your host, Sean Rapier. It is so good to be back with you after a three-week vacation. I am so rested and relaxed, and we've got some great shows lined up and an excellent show for you today. Uh, But before we get into this week's episode, we do want to thank our reviewers. We have three new five-star reviewers on Apple Podcasts. Uh, I want to thank Boy Mama 5, Marcita 13, and Domenthness, and I'm sure I'm pronouncing that incorrectly. Sorry about that, but you all left such wonderful reviews on Apple Podcasts, and that just so helps us to be found. We're actually up to uh, 497 ratings on Apple Podcasts. We'd love it if you could help us get over the 500 rating uh, number. It'd be really great. And our average ratings and reviews right now, 4.7 stars out of five, which is just wonderful. So we sure appreciate everybody's support of the show. It's just fantastic. Uh, This week, my guest on the show, McLean Nelson, he is the uh, director, producer, I mean, just everything for the new film, Once I Was Engaged, uh, which is also uh, from the Once I Was a Beehive. It's in the same family of films. And I just loved getting to sit down with McLean and have this conversation. He's a fascinating guy. But also, throughout the conversation, if you're a big fan of not just Latter-day Saint films, but uh, stuff on BYU TV, if you're a fan of the show Show Offs, McLean is in that, and he's very involved as a producer in that as well. The Saratov Approach. During this conversation, we talk about so many different movies, and uh, it was just awesome. You're going to love this conversation. And uh, coming up this week in my Latter-day life, Sean and Sean have a chat about the gospel. It's all coming up. So sit back, relax, and enjoy this week's conversation. And today on the Latter-day Lives podcast, my guest is a producer. He's an actor. He's a writer. So talented. He's got a new film coming out that we're going to talk about. McLean Nelson, welcome to the show. Good to be here, Sean. Yeah, your name has come up multiple times. You have worked with so many of our past guests. So we're glad to finally have you here. You have a, an exciting new movie we're going to talk about. But before we jump into that, we got to get to know you. Tell us a little bit about where you're from, where you grew up. So I was, to go way back, I was born in Texas. Uh, my dad was teaching uh, theater at University of Austin. Mm. Um, so I was born in Austin, Texas, and we lived there for about uh first seven years of my life. And then... Uh, moved to Minnesota for three years, long enough for me to, um, you know, lock in my sports teams as Minnesota teams. I'm a Twins Vikings fan, you know, for life because of that. Um, Wait, does that carry over to the Timberwolves or you're not a basketball guy? Well, actually, right when I moved, the the, the team expanded, came to Minnesota right as I was moving. Ah, uh, gotcha. Uh, so I'm a jazz fan because that was, they locked me in early. You know, Got, it. I, didn't, Got I, it. I didn't have enough time to latch on to the T-Wolves. <laughs> Sure. But I'm glad because I, I, I uh, you know, love the jazz, even though I, they break my heart. But um, 
Yeah. So, but most, most of like, you know, junior high, all, all junior high and high school, I was uh, in Provo, Utah. My dad was teaching at BYU uh, in the theater department and went to high school here at Tip View High School. So you mentioned your dad was at BYU. I assume you were raised in the church. Is that right? Yeah. Yep. Yeah. Awesome. How many siblings did you have? There are eight of us total, seven living. I did lose a brother we, uh, when he was about a month old. And mm. so, um, but I always say eight when people ask, it's just kind of like, sure, you know, eight so, is the right number. Yep, exactly. Yeah. So were you into theater and acting and, and film things growing up? Yeah, I was. I was always kind of into performing. I, uh, I would do community plays. I would do school plays. Kind of in high school, I shifted more to, um, I, I was kind of a weird, weird one because I, I really liked theater, but I also was into sports. I played football and I ran track. And in high school years, I became like jock guy who just really all I cared about was football. And and um, I don't know if I fit that well in with the, with the local, um, with, with the, the theater kids. Um, I, they, I think some of them felt like I was an outsider, like, you know, why is a football player auditioning for plays? And so I didn't end up getting to do as many plays, but I was doing like a lot of videos and, um, film stuff for our, for our announcements, you know, cause I was in student government. And so that's where I kind of really started falling in love with film. Um, oddly enough. So I, I made the shift early to film and I really loved kind of what, what we would do with that. And, and it, you know, I, but I never, it was one of those things where I never really expected to, to pursue as a, Mm. as a career kind of everyone told you at that time like yeah it's a fun backup plan but you know maybe go to med school or or become <laughs> a lawyer or go to business school it's kind of like they, i don't know you, we're, we're the same generation where they didn't really say follow your dreams they said follow the right dream you know <laughs> so no question no yeah. doubt and with your dad so your dad was a theater instructor was this like, are the rest of your siblings into the arts? Uh, well, no, not really. My, uh, I mean, my sister is, both of my sisters are very talented. Actually, one of them is, is an, plays Hannah in Once I Was a Beehive and Once I Was a Ga- Engaged. So, oh, cool. Um, so she's great. Then my other sister, Courtney, is an amazing singer and like musical dance theater type performer. So uh, the girls and I kind of followed that path, but my... Um, all my brothers are doing, you know, one's a dentist, one's a financial planner, one's a, in, uh, you know, mergers and acquisition. So like one's in, uh, advertising and marketing. So I'm the only kind of, uh, g- only brother that, that followed the, uh, you know, the, the artistic path. You talk about how you're, you kind of had the theater people when you were doing plays, questioning why is the jock here doing theater did you get the reverse of that were your football friends going why are you doing theater um not really just because I was kind of I think I was more I was more sports guy first theater Mm. kind of like not a lot of people knew that I was going and auditioning or or knew that I was doing improv and stuff on the side you know so so yeah it didn't didn't really go the other way but um do you remember your oh sorry go ahead no, I was just saying, but I was a, a, you know, a strange blend of like these, these two worlds. And I, I, I definitely got along with both sides, but, but, um, but yeah, it was a, it, I was a, I was an odd little duck. <laughs> Do you remember your first real role that you consider acting? 
<laughs> uh, well, the first role I remember at all, I wouldn't call this a real role, but I was in like first grade and I played Bambi and I would just run around like sniffing uh, flowers. Um, but you know, that's the first like actual role. Um, but like my first, I don't know. I mean, you mean like as an adult or do you mean as, I mean, what do you consider like the first time that you thought, okay, I am now an actor. I auditioned for a community play and it was a, uh, it was an adaptation of Hansel and Gretel. And I was kind of like the assistant of the storyteller. And I was only in about seven years old and tons of people auditioned and I got the part and I thought I was just, I, That's I it. thought that, that feeling felt so great. And then I was Winthrop in the music man right after that. And I was like, okay, this is fun. I like this. I'm and uh, yeah, I was, I was kind of hooked. Awesome. So you get done with high school. What came next? I did a mission. Um, I mean, well, in between my, my freshman year at, at BYU, which was a great year. I was the first member of comedy sports. Like actually Darren and Darren Tufts and I were the first two people that ever joined comedy sports and no kidding. And I was kind of tasked with like recruiting a bunch between Darren and I, we recruited everybody. And then I was in charge of getting the audiences there because I knew a lot of people around. I'd grown up here. A lot of my friends were in the dorms. So I got the word out at the dorms about comedy sports. So I mean, I I really was responsible for getting those the initial kind of crowds to to hit, so that that club hit like critical mass. And, and for uh, for our audience, uh, comedy sports is a national chain of uh, sport of of improv teams, and it's treated like uh, there are two teams. You know, it could be like a red team, a blue team that actually compete in improvisation. It's super fun. Yeah, it was it was a it was really fun to kind of realize oh. I like performing comedy. That was the first time where I realized I'm good at this. I like performing comedy. And I, the friends that I met in comedy sports are friends that to this day I work with and, and collaborate with, and they're, they're my best friends. So it was a, it's a very good, like meeting place of, of creative people in, in Utah and like, you know, around, you know, the end of the, like, I mean, 99 was when we opened. So right before my mission. And then I did two years on a mission in Philadelphia, Pennsylvania. How was your mission? I loved it. I loved it. I, um, I had a blast. I met a lot of great people. A lot of people I still stay in touch with. Um, and, and then came back and like, that's when I, I I actually was going to be pre-med and, uh, that was just kind of my thing. I was going to just be a doctor. I was good at I was good at biology and, and physiology and all that stuff. But then I, I was making movies every Monday on P day for my, for my, um, <laughs> for our activities. That's what I did. I just loved it. We would, we would shoot these improvised musicals and we would shoot these improvised little sketches and we would just, you, know, you couldn't edit it. You would just like push stop and then do the next scene. And you know what I mean? So you know, all in camera editing. And it was just like, I had so much fun doing it. And then I ended up auditioning for um, the scholarship and I got the scholarship. So I was just like, you know what? I got a little money. I'm going to study acting. I'm going to try it. I'm going to see, I can take all the other like science classes and whatnot and still do that. But it was really after my mission that I decided I should at least give this a shot. I should study this. I love it too much to kind of just ignore it. And um, 
so that's what I did. I just started taking acting classes and, and I, I auditioned, got into the acting program at BYU and, uh, you know, st- and then I, you know, I got into, when I was doing that, I kind of was, I knew I was interested in film. So I started taking film classes and screenwriting classes and that was really fun for me. So kind of once I got a taste of it, I just kept, I, I, I slowly pushed out the, uh, practical side of my, you know, studies. But you're one of the rare, you know, we, we've had a lot of, a lot of actors on and we've had a lot of directors on and producers we've had on. And generally they're like, I'm an actor. I couldn't direct and don't want to direct, mm-hmm. or I'm a director. I admire my actors, mm-hmm. but I couldn't act. You're one of those uh, multi-threats where you write, you produce, you direct, you act. Did you know that when you were at BYU that you wanted to do all of it or were you focused? I knew that I had, that I wanted to have a little bit more control over projects. I, um, I was, you know, I'm, I've always been a, an active member of the church and, you know, you, you hear like, you know, one of the main things why people would dis- discourage you from going into the film industry. Cause it's like, well, there's not a lot of good projects you can do, you know, being a member of the church. And so I was like, well, that's not true. What if you're writing your own stuff? What if, you know, if you're picking what you're doing, then, yeah. then you can do that. So I, I knew that I wanted to have a little bit more control. I actually was very inspired by like Ben Affleck and Matt Damon for just writing themselves, you know, parts and in, in Goodwill hunting. And I know there's a lot more that went behind that story, but it just was like a, Oh, you can do this. You can create your own stuff. I want, I want to be able to write, even if it's just so that I will have better, more opportunities to act. And um, so Yes, I, I always kind of knew that I wanted. I just figured the more if the more the more uh, arrows I had in my quiver, the more skills that I had, the ch- the higher my chances would be that I could get hired somewhere. And, awesome. Yeah. So did you end up graduating from BYU? I did. Yeah. I graduated in two thousand three uh, after the fall semester of two thousand three, and. Ooh. BYU has a great film program. That's we've had several people have come through the show who have gone through the film program and, and it's really impressive. Was that your experience? I loved it. I mean, I actually never, I was not in the film program, but I was kind of a film program wannabe. I was actually in the acting track program. And then Mm. as I came close to the end, I was able to switch. I switched my major to theater studies because I found out that I could, I could graduate a whole semester earlier and, you know, myriad of different reasons. I wanted to get a, a minor in German and I was doing these study abroad and I had to like, anyway, I, and I, I, in my, in my profession, you, no one's ever asked me what my, what my <laughs> yeah. major was or what my degree sure. was. Yeah. So I kind of got all, I took all the acting classes I wanted. I took, you know, I, and I just, I decided, Hey, I, and I also took like some of the screenwriting classes and I audited a bunch of classes because I wasn't able to certain ones you couldn't take officially for credit if you weren't in the film program. Mm. So I did my best to like audit a couple of screenwriting classes and cause I knew that was something important to me. So yes. I, and, and I also was very kind of, 
um, interested in the film students, I would go to all the, the final cut, um, like, which is the, the film yeah. festival for BYU. And I would, I would take notes on the names of who was, who was doing the, the good films. And I'd look those people up actually, uh, the first movie I worked on was the modern adaptation of pride and prejudice that shot years ago. Yeah. And, um, and I liked the film that that director had made. It was, and I, so I looked them up and I found the producers and I like found out where their offices were. And I knocked on their door and I said, Hey, I'm an actor. I'd love to audition, but I also, if I, you know, I'd also want to work on the movie and they're like, well, uh, we don't have anything to pay you. So I was like, <laughs> it doesn't matter. I don't care. I want to work. And so I just kind of plugged in like on crew as like a, as a, you know, production assistant. By the end, they had me being like the assistant director, second assistant director. And I just learned and kind of met a group of people that I still work with today. And uh, so BYU and my degree was more important, I think, for was for the networking that you do as far as like finding other people that are great at what they do and, and uh, teaming up. So more so than anyone, more so than the actual degree, you know, cause nobody has ever asked me to prove my degree or anything. <laughs> so, yeah. And, and really what they care about is the work. I mean, that's what yeah. people in the film business yeah. look for. So you had worked on pride and prejudice. You yeah. was it, was that kind of a hook for you? Like uh, I, I talked to a lot of actors who were like, I did my first real project. This is your first credit, like on IMDb. Yeah. Yeah. Like a lot of actors will, or, you know, people in the film business will say that was, I was hooked at that point. Yeah, I would say definitely. It, it introduced me to what like life on a set was like. I really enjoyed the pace of it. I enjoyed how every day is different, how there's always a new challenge. Every day is like a puzzle piece. Every day completed is a miracle. And yeah, I was, after that, I, I really knew like, okay, I'm glad I chose this. It's going to be an uphill climb, but I'm, I'm at least in it, you know, and doing in the space where I want to be. And that's great. Just plugged in from there. Your next credited project, uh, we've had uh, a good friend of mine, Dave Hunter, on the show. Mm -hmm. uh, your next project was Howard W. Hunter, Modern Day Prophet. You played young Howard. How was that? You know, that was a very huge blessing in my life. Um, I was at a really rough uh, part of my life. I had just had, had a, gone through a huge breakup um, at school with someone that was actually in my program. So we were in all these classes together and it, it well, you know, I was kind of being a little bit cryptic about why I changed my major, but part of it was because I needed to like, I needed to change. I needed, you know what I mean? I, I, I had a whole year left with this person mm. um, and it was going to be really hard. So I found out I could switch my major to theater studies and be done early. And I had all this kind of guilt for like, why am I, I'm, I'm, well, I'm switching my major because my heart's broken. Like, that's not, why can't I just be tough? You know, and I just was like, well, and maybe I won't get acting roles and maybe this or that. But I auditioned for that Howard W. Hunter role. And I got right, I got the part right in the middle of, right in the middle of this, like, you know, really low point in my life of like being like, I'm never going to work as an actor. I'm not, you know, all these thoughts of like, 
if you change sure. your major, you're, you're not being true to yourself. And, and right in that point, I got cast as Howard W. Hunter and it was two weeks and half of it shot in Hawaii. And it was like this huge, like boon, huge blessing. And I really saw it as like kind of the Lord saying, Hey, you're going to be okay. Just keep, keep pushing forward. And I met, I met the guys at Kaleidoscope Pictures who I now do show offs with. Um, you know, so we've been, we've stayed friends through the years. I, I shot in Laie, which is basically on that trip. I decided I have to shoot a movie here one day. And it was kind of the first inspiration for shooting once I was engaged in Laie. And, and, uh, so it was, it was very much this amazing first opportunity of getting cast, getting hired to do something and just kind of proving to me that, Hey, I can, if I work hard, I can make a living in this industry and hopefully kind of make a difference. So that was, that was really cool. Do you feel like a connection with, with Howard W. Hunter now? I absolutely do. Yeah. yeah, We've talked to actors who have said when, once they played a role of someone, they feel a piece of them. And it was the first time I'd ever played a real person that had lived, you know what I mean? Um, so yeah, I, I definitely felt a, a close connection and, you know, he was one of those prophets that, you know, he was only a prophet for like a year. So people didn't really get to know him that well, but yeah, he's a very impressive guy and sure. um, very talented person and artistic. He was a musician. He traveled the world, you know, playing his music and he kind of like, You had a, a role in Church Ball. How was that? Well, that that was a very tiny, like, Dave uh, Dave uh, um, and Kirk called me up and said, hey, do you want to just do this fun <laughs> little thing? We just need. So I, that was kind of like a featured extra that I was doing as a favor for them. So yeah, like a monumental part. But actually, but was this, it fun filming? Oh, yeah. No, super fun filming. But but really, kind of the one I'd, I I do want to talk about that really gave me confidence to move forward as a producer and know is we shot a movie called Moving McAllister, mm, in, okay. and uh, that was in shot in two thousand four, came out in two thousand five. It it I I me and my my uh, buddy of mine we went and we raised the whole budget by just kind of begging people for money and saying hey because we had John Heater attached, which was cool, and we had. Mila Kunis attached and wow, uh, Rutger yeah. Hauer was in it. And it's kind of like, I, I was just, just barely graduated. And all of a sudden we're working with these Hollywood level, uh, you know, talent. And we were just kind of thrown into it. And we were, you know, I think we made it, we made a really fun rom-com and um, we learned a ton about the, we made every mistake with distribution, um, <laughs> but it got out there. It had a theatrical release, but it wasn't that, you know, successful but at the same time it was like my grad school of like i really learned how to raise money and then i was the locations manager for it i i i have a relationship with mila kunis that you know we're still friends today we're still working on you know projects together and pitching pitching projects with her production company and we've stayed friends over you know that was that was like 17 years ago and we're still friends and uh and it was just kind of like helped me realize, okay, yeah. Like step-by-step step, you just gain more confidence. Like now I know I can go raise money. I can, I don't need someone to, to, to bring me a project. I can go, I can bring a project 
get it together, go ask for money, show my investors kind of like how to, you know, our, our plan and then go for it. So that was, that was a huge confidence builder. Um, so yeah, that was, a that was kind of my grad school, I would say in, in film. So I'm, I'm a little older than you are. And I know Mila Kunis is huge megastar. Probably all of our listeners know John Eater. Yeah. Rugger Howard. Howard is yeah. for me, for my age, you know, I'm, I'm almost 50, pushing 50 now. Okay. Rugger Howard was the megastar. Like oh, every yeah. every film he was in, he was the the coolest guy in it or the scariest guy oh, or yeah. the whatever. So Blade Runner, talent. Yeah. yeah, he was he was fun and he had a lot of really cool stories. He was great to work with. I was yeah. I was sad when he I learned he passed because yeah, he was, yeah, he's such a nice guy and he took a chance on a bunch of young filmmakers and was in our movie and did a great job. So, so do you think you could take a leap like that now or looking back? Is that something you only do when you're crazy and young, not knowing what you did? Like, do you look back and go, <laughs> I can't believe. I had the 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 audacity to yeah. go out and ask people for money and make a movie. Uh, y- yes, I do look back and say I can't believe that. But then once you do it, you know, like it, you just keep raising the bar for yourself. You're like, well, I did that. I guess I can I can try this. So it that doing that and then being successful, you just build your confidence and you say, okay, let's That's try awesome. the next thing. So so it definitely was kind of the the foundation of my confidence as a producer and my confidence as saying hey yeah uh this can be done and you don't have to you don't have to get a big break from somebody else you can create a break um that's fantastic yeah it's it's really cool it's a cool it's overall just a cool story i want to talk because you had a small involvement in another film that that I love that every time I tell someone about it or introduce them to it, they crack up. And it's one of those things that maybe not, uh, maybe not a ton of people have seen, but you were involved in a little film called believe. Oh yeah. Talk yep. about believe. That was super fun. Cause that was like, a um, w- one of the first times that my improv skills as an improviser was directly, you know, why I got that part. I, uh, it's, it's a, it's a mockumentary about, um, about a multi-level market, uh, company. And, uh, I came into the audition and I had actually done a, a multi-level market, uh, company in college. So I knew the ins and outs of it. So I think it really prepared me to like nail the audition. That's awesome. And, uh, so it was, it was really fun. And it was like, Oh, oh another, one of these moments of like, oh, great. So as an improviser too, this is a skill that will help me get roles, you know, and, and help me build the confidence to later on why I was able to create, you know, show-offs, the BYU TV um, improv yeah. show that I do with Lisa Clark and Haley Smith and Jake Van Wagner and Sean Johnson and, you know, a bunch of the people that I, you know, met through the improv circles, you know, like, yeah, you realize this skill is like it's not just people goofing around. It's it's a very um, marketable skill to creating story and to creating characters and and uh, it's a skill that if you hone and you practice, you just get better at. And um, so yeah, that was kind of the first first examples of like, oh yeah, this can help you get work. This little <laughs> goofy skill that we think is just to make our friends laugh and 
you know, and believe is filled well. with improv actors. Uh, yeah, it. So Lincoln Hoppe is a good friend of mine, and yeah. uh, Lincoln is so yeah. funny in that movie. Like, yeah, he absolutely. Is, he is just fantastic. Um, so let's talk a little bit about you and your then then personal life because somewhere in here you get married. I don't yes. know timeline wise. Tell us how you ended up meeting your wife. So I was raising money for my first film that I was going to direct. I'd written a, a vampire comedy and uh, was, you know, in the, in the height of like the, the twilight, you know, movies, we just yeah, sure. kind of make fun of it. And we, we came up with this, this concept and, and I wrote it with Matt Jesperson and we were going to co-direct it and I was raising money for it. And somebody that I'd known said, Hey, I know a guy, his daughter goes to university of Tampa. You got to come out and meet him to, um, to raise some money. So I went out there, I met with the guy and his daughter and she was an act in the acting program down there. And basically they were like, Hey, I, I had mentioned that I do improv. So I was like, talk to your teachers. I will come teach like a, you know, a two day workshop to your acting students at university of Tampa. I was 27 years old. What did I know? But, um, they set it up and, um, Claire, who is my now wife, she was just another student that happened to come by and was like, Oh yeah, I'll go to this little, you know, two day intensive workshop. And we had a ton of fun. And, um, we just kind of like, after the workshop was over, we all went to IHOP and they just wanted to ask questions about the industry. And I'd made a couple movies by then and they had so many questions and we ended up sitting next to each other and one by one people left. And then at the end of the night, it was just us. And we chatted and talked and, you know, hit it off. And I got her number. And next thing you know, I was calling her every single day and uh, we would chat for three hours a night and, then six months, sorry, six weeks later, I needed to teach another improv uh, workshop, <laughs> but it was basically literally just an excuse to come out and see her. But we set it up again. I flew out and we started this long distance dating relationship that kind of, you know, came out of nowhere. And she graduated that following, uh, you know, spring of 2008 and moved to New York and so we did this long distance relationship for about a year. And uh, at the end of the year, I'd finally gotten all the money together for that vampire movie. So I was like, hey, look, we need to kind of figure out if this is real or if just like a long distance kind of fling. Why don't you move to Utah? I have two kind of movies, two movies back to back that I'm working on and one I'll be directing and can get you a job on the crew. And you could also get like, you know, I mean, we'll have you audition, give you a, a, you know, a small part in each one of these. So worst case scenario, if we crash and burn, you can have two, two uh, film credits under your belt and two, you know, scenes for your acting reel. And, uh, you know, I kind of was like, give her a, a little sales technique. Scenario. Yeah, there. exactly. A little worst case scenario that wasn't so bad. And then, you know, she came out, she got a, she got an apartment not too far from where I was living in Salt Lake. She worked on the film. She got hooked on on the in the whole you know film side of things because she was mostly like a a stage performer and wanted to do Broadway. But uh, at the end of that following year, I proposed to her and and we were married about nine months later. So so yeah, it was um she it was very unexpected. 
you know, she's not a member of our faith and, uh, and I never really expected to marry outside of the faith. But when, when I met someone that was this amazing and kind of this perfect and this much of a fit and like, felt like, you know, our worlds only cross for like a split second. And we, we had such a connection in that tiny little moment that, um, it was just so real and so and like like I had never felt before and and uh so you know felt right still feels right you know and anyone who's ever met her is like there is they can't imagine me with anyone else besides Claire and that's a so, that's a big jump saying hey I'm an active member of this faith and come to Utah and yeah. the Utah film community the Utah yeah. film community and the church and we're going to get to once I was a beehive once I, you know, once I was engaged in a little bit, yeah. the film community, especially among active members of the church and the church and everything is pretty intertwined. Yeah. Was that, was that kind of a lot for her to adjust to? It was, it was, you know, it was, um, and it was stuff that we had to deal with when we were engaged. You know, we, we went to, and I recommend this to anyone, whether or not you're, um, whether or not you are of the same faith or not, but we went to engagement uh, therapy together, like mm. premarital counseling. And it was really great because we just learned some tools on how to like, you know, are we, are we going to be uh, on figuring out, would we be able to really do this considering kind of some of the differences um, in our upbringing and, and in our cultures. And it really kind of brought all the, the problems and, and possible like um, hurdles to the, you know, to the surface and we were able to deal with them and, and figure out that this is, yes, this is still what we wanted. And, uh, awesome. So, you know, very, very cool. I want to talk about two more projects before we get to the, uh, the once I was series, uh, Great. just a couple more. And if there's anything else you want to talk about, we can certainly talk about it. But one, one film that I know is a fan favorite of many of our listeners, uh, talk a little bit about your involvement with the Saratov approach. Oh, that's a very special movie to me. So I, um, I've been friends with Garrett Batty. I met him in comedy sports for years and have been friends with him for years. And also Jake Van Wagner, who, uh, they were the other two producers on it. And of course, Garrett, um, is the writer director of that, um, film. And they, they, um, they brought me on cause they, um, you know, they'd known I'd produce some stuff and they w- wanted some help. And, I read the script and I was like, I really, really want to be a part of this. I had some ideas on how to, um, how to, uh, you know, take it from to the next level a little bit, you know, cause to make it a little cinematic. And, and, uh, so I, I, I came on as a script consultant and, uh, you know, worked with Garrett to get the script to a place that we, and that we were all super happy with. And, um, Anyway, had just an amazing, wonderful time working with Jake and Garrett. And actually, I wasn't supposed to be in it. They never planned on having me be in the movie. Um, wow. So way younger. And I said, that's fine. Actually, this is a story I don't know a lot of people know. But initially, they wanted Corbin Allred to play the Russian guy. And mm. then cast some really young missionaries. And I just... I was kind of, maybe I was a bully about it, but I just said, guys, I understand like wanting to use Corbin because he is like in, in the, the world, he is a name, you know, in the, in the LDS faith, like people knew him from saints and soldiers, but I think it will feel very 
I don't think it'll feel that authentic, no matter how good his accent is, no matter how, you know, real that is, people will still see him as, you know, the guy from Saints and Soldiers, <laughs> you know? So, yeah. so I said, why don't we, why don't we bring in a Russian actor, um, you know, and, and cast someone out of LA that's just to bring some real authenticity to that role. And then I love using Corbin, but like, you know, we're in, we're, this is, this is Hollywood. We, people are playing older than their character age all the time. He still feels like the hero. Let's have him be the, you know, the lead missionary. And so then we were starting to look for people that were more his age. And at that point, and I promise I wasn't like, this wasn't like my master plan. But I said, <laughs> hey, I am his age. I do kind of fit that role. And they're like, no, McLean, come on. Like, don't, you know. And uh, to their everlasting credit, I, um, I just said, look, I'm going to put myself on tape. I'm going to send in my audition. And if you don't like it, we never have to talk about it again. I want what's best for the project. But, you know, after having doing digging, digging in with the script with Garrett and consulting so, so heavily, you know, with him, I really felt like I knew that character inside and out. So I, um, I sent in my tape. And to both of their credit, they called me within 20 minutes and they're like, we're so sorry we ever doubted it. It was, <laughs> you were always like, after seeing that, it was like, you were always supposed to be it. And um, so, and I think it really fit because, you know, you know, Corbin and I are, are the same age and it, it, it worked. We were, you know, older than missionary age, but I don't think it takes, most people, it doesn't take them out of it. You know what I mean? And not at all. And it gave, you know, gave those actors a little bit more, um, I don't know, like weight to them, you know, both physically and no, but uh, just, uh, I don't know. It, it worked and it, it worked well. Way it was supposed to be. And it was such a fun experience. And when that movie was kind of going hog wild in the theaters, it was such a, like a thrill ride to be on to say, Hey, we, we just came together, made this for nothing. And now people are just, you know, those, the theaters were packed every weekend and we were just like, so exciting to have that story resonate with so many people. And, you know, I forever and ever, I will love and respect and like, you know, that team that we worked with. I love Garrett Batty. I think he's so talented. Yeah. Jake Van Wagner is like a best friend slash brother to me. You know, we're, you know, we created show offs together. We, you know, we're constantly working on things together. Garrett's yeah. our, my go-to guy whenever I need help. I call him um, to consult with me or to, you know, like he did a, an editing pass on once I was engaged and really made it be, you know, amazing. And anyway, it's uh, and Jeremy Prusso who shot that film, you know, like he's, he's my DP on several things. And uh, yeah, I mean, we're just, we're just a family and, and that was such a great, great film to kind of, it, it's still to this day, people say, hey, that movie changed my life or that movie yeah. made me decide to go on a mission or that movie, you know, it kind of was my, it was my first like LDS film that I was, uh, you know, super involved with, like as on the producer level and, and, you know, and hired. So, or, you know, or, or higher, I mean, you know, like, so it, 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 it made me believe in the, the genre of kind of LDS based films. It's a tremendous film and people love it. It resonates all the time. 
Um, if our audience wants to hear even more about it from Garrett's point of view, he was uh, episode 105. You can go back and listen to his episode. Garrett's just plus just such a good dude. Like Garrett is such a good man. So yeah, you, you work with a lot of awesome people. I also want to ask about uh, show offs, which you, you've mentioned a few times now yeah. show offs, which, you know, I coming from an improv background, love show offs. And, you know, of course, Lisa's on it. Who's a good friend of mine. How did show offs come together and tell us what show offs is. Sure. So show offs in about 2006, bunch of us that were had done comedy sports for several years were, we wanted to explore some longer form stories so we created a, a troupe called the Thrillionaires, and we would do improvised plays and musicals and we would dress up in costumes and and you know make everything up on the spot and you know early we it was always my dream to take that and make that a TV show um, to have the audience be be voting and and so when BYU TV kind of had their their shift and into becoming more like, you know, more comedy programming and family programming, uh, Jake and I got together with and teamed up with Kaleidoscope to pitch this, this show, Show Offs, which is basically kind of a a amped up version of our of our live show the, with the Thrillionaires, where you know the audience is voting on like we we break up into three teams of two we usually have a uh, like a celebrity guest with us and they give us like they they'll vote on three different genres so when one night we could see one little snippet of a western one of a of a rock opera and one of a rogers and hammerstein type you know uh golden age musical and then we do these three little scenes and they vote on which one they want to see the whole version of we go back into the back, get into full costume. And then when we come out, they give us the title of that musical or that play. So we can't, we literally can't replan if we wanted to, because we have to now incorporate the new suggestion. And then Casey Jost, who is our host, he, he, he gums and he, he throws in little suggestions and he can tell us to make a new choice. He can tell us to redo whatever decision we made, he can tell us to do it in an accent. He can tell us to just start singing. He, he literally has like this omniscient power to make us do whatever we, whatever he says. And <laughs> he's uh, so great in it. Yeah. He is so, so yeah. good. And there's a live band and they're just playing improvised songs and perfectly in genre. So then we, we've had amazing celebrities on there. I mean, we had Will Forte come and do our, our Christmas show and he's like been, you know, comedy, you know, idol of mine for years. He was so gracious, you know, like such a good guy. That's and amazing to get someone like Will Forte, like to be able to work with someone that comedically powerful is just awesome. Yeah, it was great. So, and then several other amazing guests as well. And, you know, COVID kind of, you know, took the wind out of our sails because we couldn't really do another season without an audience. Yeah. It's so audience based. And then, so we're hoping for another season. If you guys are fans of the show, go ahead and write to BYU TV and say, "Hey, we miss show offs. Let's get it back on the schedule." <laughs> we're we're making still, a plug for it. Yeah, people can still watch it if they haven't yeah. seen it before on on the BYU app. It's right there. Yeah, there's and like thirty three episodes you can watch, and it's hilarious. I got to say, it's so well done. You guys are all so talented. Uh, last thing before the once I was films, uh, and that is. How did you get into the Hallmark style Christmas movies? You've done three of them now, right? 
Yes. Well, oh gosh. Uh, I've directed three Christmas and I just directed one that's like not Christmas, but it's another, it's like another Hallmark film, summer Hallmark rom-com. And my wife, Claire is now directing her eighth film. So wow. Eighth Hallmark. (laughs) Yeah. Um, So the way that came about was we, when we made once I was a beehive, uh, we had a theatrical release and one of the actors knew uh, a woman uh, who was a producer and invited her to the premiere. And then at the premiere, she was, she told us she was very blown away by the production quality. She knew that the budget was like a shoestring budget, like a micro budget. And she was very impressed with like what we did with once I was engaged. And then so she set up a meeting with Claire and I to talk about other projects. And we pitched her um, Claire's version of little women, which is in a modern adaptation of the, of the book. And they loved that. And so they came on board and their company helped us produce that. And that was Claire's directorial debut. So right after that release, she then got hired by Hallmark and uh, she was kind of one of those like, you know, one of those just amazing people that is so loyal to us. And she's like, as soon as I can, I'm going to put you guys on movies. And so literally right away, she hired both Claire and I to be on these films and introduced us to other execs there who also hired us. And um, so we just got kind of plugged into this amazing family at Hallmark. And, um, you know, we've been, we obviously know how to make a little bit of money stretch super far. And so Hallmark has a little bit healthier budget. So I think our films look and feel a little bigger than some of the other ones that they produce. So, you know, they've been giving us a little, the, the reins to a couple more special projects. Like Claire got to go to Iceland, Ireland, and Paris within the last year. And wow. I got to do one in Hawaii. I got to shoot one in Vienna, Austria. I got, you know what I mean? So it's like, I got to do two in Canada and Vancouver. Um, anyway, so it was, it was really great. You know, it just kind of shows like the longer you're in this industry, if you keep doing quality work, you know, people will, will notice. And, um, and the Hallmark following is like yeah. nothing I've ever seen. Yeah. I mean, there's a rabid Latter-day Saint film fan base yeah. built in that loves every time a Latter-day Saint film comes yeah. out. It doesn't hold a candle to the Hallmark. I mean, Not at all. I know people who just, that is their Christmas season every night. It's what Hallmark movie, are, and, and not just Christmas, as you say, but uh, you know, it's, it's definitely, it's a huge deal. So. Absolutely. Yeah. Well, this all leads us up to, uh, we're going to jump back to 2015 release. Uh, how did Once I Was a Beehive come together? You know, I was um, looking for a project to do, and I was just really inspired. My mom is like an amazing woman. She has raised eight kids. She's always been in young women. She's always planned these big camps, you know, and she always tells me about how great they are. And it's too bad that young men never get to experience this. And it just kind of sparked my interest. And it felt like such an interesting world and also an underrepresented world. 
I think a lot of the, if you look at like what the LDS kind of film genres are, they're very male centered stories. And, um, and obviously the women of this church are such amazing people and have such great stories. I said, you know, I want to explore, I want to explore this a little bit more. So I kind of, I, I teamed up with Haley Smith, who is, who's in show offs with me and, you know, we've been doing improv for forever. And, you know, she, I consulted with her about like, let's, let's make a camp movie about we, the working title was just girls camp. And uh, as we were talking about the characters, you know, and kind of, we, we created this world. I based Carrie Carrington on my mom and then we based other characters on people that we know and, you know, really wanted to tell. And then I came up with the story about what a, about, about Lane, who's not a member of the church, who who kind of gets thrown into this world. So I thought it'd be interesting to see that world through the eyes of somebody who didn't grow up that way or wasn't raised that way. And I think, I think too, that was inspired by my wife being not a member of the church and kind of like having to discover things. She's really got thrown into that world, you know, you know, by marrying me and dating me. So, so it just kind of all came together and, you know, we, we found an amazing cast and every one of those women are such good actors and they did such a great job. And, and that movie got off to a little slow start in the box office, but like people just, the word of mouth kind of over time, people just kept saying, you got to go see it. You know, I think a lot of men actually prejudged that movie and thought it wasn't going to be good and thought it was just going to be, you know, female centric and not like anything they would be care about. But then then we got a lot of men out there saying, Hey, if you have a daughter, go see this movie. It's very important. You know, it's an important message. It's a, you know, and it's also appealing to a lot of different ages and a lot of different, you know, that you don't have to be a member of our faith to, to enjoy it. Right. And, uh, you know, I mean, it's the number 17 movie on YouTube movies right now. And it's been played on Netflix and it's been on, on Amazon prime for years. And it's just, you know, just continues to get, views and uh you know hundreds of thousands of views even in the millions of views now so yeah it was a a little bit of a it it had a slower start but it's it's had like lasting power i mean i think i think more people probably watch that on a week-to-week basis than they do like the saratov approach or you know something Mm. that did did had a big started and, and burned really hot but like that's not one that people are watching every week. This one is one that people are like kind of coming back to. It feels like one of those like safe movies that everybody makes them feel good and they laugh and they enjoy it. So it's, it's kind of become a little bit cult status, which is, you know, maybe a awesome hot button word (laughs) that we don't want to use, but (laughs) (laughs) But what's great about it is it's a great film. It's a good film first of all, but then secondly, you can watch it as a Latter-day Saint and see the fish out of water coming into the Latter-day mm-hmm. Saint world. Or you can flip that and see if you are not a member of our faith, see what it would be like diving into that world. I think it's yeah. really, you guys did a, an amazing job making a film for everybody. Uh, and then that leads us to Once I Was Engaged. Did you yes. know when you were doing Once I Was a Beehive that there would be another I had no plan of another movie. I, I just, you know, I, I didn't plan for it to be a, a, you know, it's, I mean, to be truthful, it's not really a sequel. People are calling it a sequel just because it's a second movie in the, 
But there's a reason it's not once I was a beehive too. There's a reason it's once I was engaged. It's it's in the same world and following some of the, the same characters that we know from the first one. But to call it a sequel per se is a little bit misleading. But when people said we want another movie, I wasn't super interested in telling another camp story. I felt like we it might have been just rehashed. We you know what I mean? You would we would run the risk of having it be like oh, they tried to just do the same thing right, again and right. like adding like similar drama. And it, it just it just felt like we completed a great story and we didn't want to mess with something that we felt was kind of perfect in its in its own right. You know, we could have maybe yeah. gone bigger with like steak girls camp. And but that would have <laughs> I don't know. It just would have felt like yeah, the story was told. Yeah, yeah. the story was told. And and also it was. Several years had passed and we were like, what's, what's going to be the, what's the next, what's another big kind of, you know, pun intended tentpole in somebody's life. You know, what's another big, um, sure. You know, uh, landmark or, you know, milestone. And I've always been so interested in the fact that we in life and in this, especially in this culture and even in like, you know, Christian culture as a, as a whole, we really, the, the years, our early 20s, you know, are like this crucible time where we are making all these huge decisions that, that, that affect the rest of our lives. And sometimes we don't have the proper guidance and tools and to how to figure this out and to like navigate it. We're kind of like, there's all these internal pressures of like, oh, I should be married or I should be on a mission or right. I should be, I should know what I want for my career. And then there's external pressures of the same thing. What are you going to do? What are you going to study? Are you doing a mission? Are you going to get married? You know, and it's just kind of this really hard time. And, and I just felt like how interesting would it be to, to, to put us to, to, to follow a character during this time. And it's fun, but it's, you know, like there's a lot of fun involved with that, but there's a lot of stress and it's this real roller coaster. So when I pitched the idea of saying, what if we make it about one of these girls getting engaged, it didn't really make sense for it to be Lane, who was not a member of the church and probably would have waited until later. And you know what I mean? She wouldn't have necessarily gotten engaged at a younger age. It, so it made a lot more sense to ha- to follow Bree Carrington, who was the, the Laurel president, who was kind of like, everything was perfect. She was, she was a little bit of a mean girl, but she didn't really know it. And uh, <laughs> she kind of had everything planned perfectly and then learned kind of, a big lesson through lane in the first movie and kind of had a big arc and kind of realized, Oh, okay. You know, I, I have some things to, she was humbled a little bit and she took it well. And she, you know, apologized for being, you know, being, uh, you know, prideful. And so it was just that, that being an interesting thing to follow. And also the fact that Carrie Carrington was became so beloved that people were, I, I was like, if people want to see a wedding story, they want to see Carrie Carrington who built an arc for her girls camp. What's she going to do for her daughter's wedding? You know, yeah. how, how, how's she going to, you know, how far is she going to go? So, so that was kind of the impetus of why we wanted to put it in that world. And, um, and also our fans kind of have grown up with this movie and a lot of them that liked it, you know, uh, the, the, the core demographic, that were in their early teens um, are now in college. Yeah. You know what I mean? And they're, they're, this facing is what's these, on their minds. Yeah, yeah. They're facing these same kind of issues and problems that, that, um, 
that Bree is facing in the movie. And also, you know, the parents of those younger kids are now parents of kids that are making these decisions. So like our whole audience has kind of matured into this next realm of life. Oh, that's so fun. And so it, it really, it really fit well. And we've been so pleased with like, with the reactions, not just the laughs, not just like the, the, the fun that people are having, but people are really getting the message that we're trying to get out there. We, we have a very strong, you know, I really want anything that I do to not only be cinematically fun, not only be like, I, I don't want people to feel like they have to go see my movie because of some sort of obligation other than that was a really great movie. Does that make sense? Yeah. Like and sometimes the, you we get guilted into like you have to support LDS filmmakers right. because they're because age, you know, but when you watch a movie and you're like, that oh, wasn't that good. Y- and you feel this weird like I I my goal is always to make sure that that whatever I'm doing is good enough that it, it competes A with other things that you would spend your money on in the theater and B leaves you with a message and something that you can talk to your kids about and talk to your family about. And, you know, so it's a, it's a steep order to fill, but I feel like, I feel like we've done it. And like, from, from what the audience has been saying, like they've, they've not only laughed and loved, loved that, like, you know, like just the whole hilarity of, of the situation and, you know, the humor of it all, but they also got the message too, that we, you know, about about how you need to be brave in these situations when you're making big decisions and you have to trust yourself and you have to you can't you know just be pushed by you know pressures of what you what you think is supposed to be right but you have to really figure it out yourself and it's a anyway so I'm I'm very proud of this new movie and you know hope people go out and see it and well the reviews have been awesome I I uh, I was it was very frustrating I was out of town on business uh, for the premiere. I was, uh, uh, your your PR people were nice enough to invite me to the premiere. And unfortunately I was out of town, but I've been following the reviews. It's been awesome. It's getting a big following and uh, you've had an advertising budget, which is always awesome. You know, we've seen yeah. the commercials yeah. and people are just loving this movie. Um, the final, I guess, question to wrap it up on your, your film stuff is uh, tell us, uh, who plays Bree in the film? Bree Carrington is played by my wife, Claire Niederprum. So how and was that directing your wife? Was there ever a moment where she had to remind you of, hey, you're not just the director here. You're my <laughs> husband here, McLean. Be, be, go easy. <laughs> Absolutely. And there were times where I had to re- recommend, I had to remind her that, hey, I'm not just your husband. I'm also your director. <laughs> You know, because, no, it is tricky. You know, you can't, in a, in a healthy marriage relationship, obviously, you can't just tell the person what to do and expect right. them to just do it. But in a in a film relationship, like the director is, that's their literally their job to say, hey, don't do it like this. Try it like this. Yeah. And if there's a disagreement, usually you talk about it. You know, so there there was some times where she's like, would get frustrated by me. And maybe my lack of being able to communicate it correctly. But overall, she did have a respect for what I was trying to do. And there is this, there's a deep, deep trust that, that she knows that she knows what, that I know what she's capable of. 
And so she knows that if she's not there yet, that I will push to get her there. And it's really only for her good, even though if it feels, I mean, it feels like, you know, like if you're working out and you have a trainer pushing, pushing you, you, you get maybe annoyed while you're doing that last rep, but you know, when, when you get there and you succeed, she, she knows that I wouldn't be doing that if, if it wasn't, you know, love it for a, for a reason. And for, you know, because I knew she could get to that place and so she does say I'm harder on her than other directors. I mean, than other <laughs> actors. And that might be true just because we know each other so well that, that I, I don't necessarily have to be as, um, I don't have to handle her with kid gloves ever. I mean, even though I, you know, I, I'm not, I'm not like, sure. Get me wrong. I'm not a tyrant, but I can cut to what I need to quicker just because we have that shorthand. And, uh, I mean her performance though, like when you, I don't know if you've seen it yet, but like her performance is incredible. She carries, she really carries the film and, and everybody's going to, you know, fall in love with this character and see a side of her that they didn't see necessarily, or maybe only saw a little bit in the first movie. Well, I haven't, I haven't seen it yet, but I'm very excited. Uh, we have plans to go see it. Like I said, I was out of town for the premiere, but uh, we are very, very excited to go check it out. Do you know what's next? Do you know what's next for you, McLean? Um, honestly, <laughs> it's interesting. What's next really depends on on our fans, you know, because there's things that I'd like to do, you know, within this world. I want to keep doing movies in this space, um, but kind of depends on like how the audience gets out. That's why I appreciate you guys promoting this you know and anybody who's listening if you guys have the chance to go you know this week it's huge for us to you get that support and it sends a message to theaters that hey they these guys have a fan base and they, they these movies need to be taken serious i know we're expanding to arizona um, idaho and nevada on august 6th and we hope to expand longer so i would love to explore more stories in this you know, in this, um, once I was a world, you know, um, I, I mean, they don't always have to start with that. I I thought about doing one like called Christmas at the Carringtons, which would be a really fun Christmas movie with the family and, and, uh, with these, with this kind of group of people that have come together. And I want to, I want to expand the community too, because most of us live in these communities where we're not, it's not just the members, you know, a lot of these, this, this story is a lot more about like, this ward from the camp, but, but I want to expand into the community. So there's other faiths represented and there's other, you know, just open it up and be more inclusive. So um, anyway, so yeah, I, I want to expand that world if, if things go well here, but then of course I always have other scripts. I I've got a Hallmark Christmas movie. I'm supposed to go shoot in Mississippi coming up. Um, and uh, but but yeah, really, really would love to explore more in this space if uh, if the fans kind of want it and, you know, are are able to help support it and get kind of another one off the ground. Well, that's a great message to all of our listeners right now. You've heard all about it now. Go check it out. Once I was engaged is in theaters near you or you can always call uh, or stop by your local theater and ask them, you know, they actually do pay attention to that kind of stuff, especially if you have an independent theater that controls uh, the distribution as to what they bring in. So 
Definitely a worthy cause to support. This has been so great, McLean. I'm glad we had the chance to sit down. Absolutely. We're going to wrap up with the question that we ask all of our guests, and that is, what does being a member of the church mean to you? That's a, it's a hard question because it means a lot of things to me. So to boil it down, um, what it means to me is that I, I feel like I have the foundation, both doctrinally and scripturally and, you know, and educationally to really know what it, what it takes to be a follower of Christ. I don't really have an excuse in this, in this department. I've been taught from a young age that I am a child of God. I've, I've gained that um, intense and palpable self-esteem that comes from knowing that God loves me and that Jesus is my savior. And I've been taught the things that I, that I've, that are essential to, to really know that Christianity is a way that makes, that brings happiness to your life. So because I have this foundation, I really feel the scripture where, you know, where, where much is ex- given, much is expected comes to my mind. I, um, I feel like I've been given so much and being a member of this church and having that education from my youth through primary nursery, uh, you know, seminary. And even now in Sundays, like, I don't have an excuse. I have been given everything and there is a lot expected of me. And, and and I'm okay with that because I've been given so much. I really feel a, a um, the healthy burden to to share joy and to share the love of the Savior to others and to be to be an example of His kindness, to be an example to others. I do try my best to be loving, to be kind, to get to know people, to to share the light that I've been given. And I'm not always perfect at it. I'm not always great. But being a member to me means that I have a important work to do. And it's to share that love of the Savior that I've felt all my life with everybody else in the way that I live, act, and serve. Beautiful answer. The film is Once I Was Engaged. It is out in movie theaters now. For sure, go check it out. And uh, he is an actor, he is a writer, a producer, a director, a very multi-talented guy. McLean Nelson, thank you so much for sharing your Latter-day Life with us. We appreciate it. Yes. And now one more thing. I don't know if we mentioned, if you guys want to follow kind of what's going on and the expansion, if you follow us at, at Once I Was Engaged on Instagram or, or Twitter, or if you search at Once I Was Engaged on, on Facebook, you can really, or go to our website, onceiwasengaged.com. You can find out the details of, of everything. You can see some behind the scenes stuff. You can see sneak peeks, all that good stuff. So please join the party. Perfect. So glad you brought that up. All right, McLean. Thanks so much. Appreciate it. All right. Take care. And my special thanks to my guest, McLean Nelson. Uh, McLean is such an amazing guy. He does so much great work. And please go see Once I Was Engaged while it is still out in theaters. I'm very, very excited to see it myself. Uh, This week in my Latter-day life, I had a cool experience. It was a little bit different. 
Uh, I had an experience with sharing the gospel, but it's not like most experiences I've had in sharing the gospel. My wife and I were up in Oregon, and we needed a ride, so I got on the Lyft app and booked a ride from the airport, and I saw that my Lyft driver's name was Sean. Chuckled about that a little bit, and sure enough, he pulled up, and we hopped in the car, and actually, uh, we were on quite a long ride with him. We needed to to drive with him for almost an hour, and we started talking about basketball, which I just love, and other things, and while I was sitting in the car, The Spirit came to me very, very strongly and said, you are going to talk to him about the Book of Mormon. And I think I've shared on the podcast before, that's kind of how the Spirit comes to me. I often joke that uh, just a still, quiet, small voice, I'm, I'm not smart enough to really catch on to little clues. I need it spelled out and just kind of smacked upside the head by it. And that's what happened this day. The Spirit just said, you will talk about the Book of Mormon with this man. And I thought to myself, okay, how do I bring this up? But I suddenly felt this incredible peace that I did not need to bring this up, that it was going to somehow come up. And so as we were driving along, we started talking about just different things. And he's actually, uh, he works in the IT industry and and uh, is an engineer and a really brilliant guy. And we started talking about his family. And then we started talking about our family. And one thing led to another. And then he brought up that he had been reading the book, The Secret. And if you remember a few years back, Oprah Winfrey, a whole bunch of people were very excited about this book, The Secret. And the basic, I mean, the the, the simplest overview of it is that you put things out into the world and they come back to you. So if you really want something in your life, you vocalize it, you verbalize it, you put it out into the universe and it comes back to you. And And, and he started sharing how he had kind of gotten into that and he had never believed in any higher powers or anything else, but he was really into the secret. And now he and his wife on a vacation, funny enough to Utah, uh, to Zion's National Park, how they had started using the secret for simple things like finding a parking spot. Okay, we're going to find a good parking spot. And he's like, it really worked. And and he said, do you believe in that? And I told him that I, I do, but maybe slightly differently than the way that he does. And that what he calls the universe is God, and that God loves us, and that he wants us to have good things. And when we verbalize what we look for, whether it's in prayer or just the desires of our hearts and we're living righteously, that God rewards us. And this led us down a path. He said, uh, I, I assume that you're uh, of the faith of the Latter-day Saints. And we said, yeah, we are. And he said, yeah, I have some family. I know some people who are Latter-day Saints. And he started asking why God does certain things and how come bad things happen sometimes. And this led to quite a deep discussion. Now, mind you, we had almost an hour in the car, and we kept sharing with him our faith and our beliefs. And and then he said, I don't think this was an accident that you and I are in the car together. I think the three of us were supposed to be in the car together to have this discussion. And I told him that I knew we were, and uh, that that's how God works, that he puts us together with what we need. And we just had this most beautiful, beautiful conversation. And I could see on his uh, screen 
that we were almost uh, to where he was dropping us off. And it was the perfect natural moment where I said, are you familiar with the Book of Mormon? And it was so natural. I didn't have to push it, force it. It just came up naturally. And I said, because I feel like the Book of Mormon is going to play a role in your life. And he started laughing and said, yeah, it might be through, I might get tickets to Book of Mormon the musical, (laughs) which I thought was really funny. But uh, I shared with him that I had the very, very strong feeling that sometime in the next couple of months that the church was going to re-enter his life. And I said, I challenge you, if you really believe in this bigger picture thing, I challenge you not to walk away from it because I'm just, I felt like I was a primer. I said, we're just primers here. But when the church enters your life and when the Book of Mormon specifically comes into your life, that is an answer from God. And what was funny was I wanted to share my number with him and say, you know, call me if you have questions, whatever. That's very natural to me. But I felt very constrained and I felt like, nope, don't do that. Let it go. And we got out of the car and shook hands and he said, I cannot tell you how much I just love this ride and love talking to you guys. And I said, us too. We wished him the best on his journey and Sean took off. And I have no idea what is happening in his life. But the spirit told me very strongly that the church, the Book of Mormon is about to come into his life in a powerful way. And what a blessing it was. I love the way the Spirit comes into our lives. And it's different every time. I've had times where the Spirit has said, you have to go and talk to that person about the church. And then other times like this, and other times it just comes up. And I just love the idea that God is so aware of the details of our lives. But this comes up because I like praying that I'll have opportunities to share the gospel. What a blessing it is to be involved in this work, uh, to be able to share the gospel with God's children who need this so much, and I'm just really grateful for it, and that's what's happening this week in my Latter-day life. Hey, thank you so much for uh, tuning into the show. We really appreciate it. Uh, The show is produced by Gene Chittister. You can go back and hear his episode recently, but it's fun now. Gene is uh, fully locked in and is the show producer, which is awesome. Social media is done by uh, Skylar Fleming, and we actually have an episode coming up where we're going to talk to Skylar and you can get to know him. But this leads us to two new uh, email addresses I want to give you. If you have an idea for a guest, that is now going to go to Gene, who is the show producer. Please email it over to guest at latterdaylives.com. That's guest at latterdaylives.com. If you have something uplifting and worthy that you want to share on our social media, you can send any ideas or feedback on our social media. Of course, you can send it through social media, but you can also send it over to social at latterdaylives.com and that will get to Skylar and we'd love to share good content. Well, I think that's about all we got for you this week. So until we meet again, There is a great, big, beautiful world out there. So go be in it, just not of it. Thanks for listening.